0: Good morning. Wow, well, it is a joy and a great privilege um, to be here. Um, I've heard so much about what's been going on here in Washington at Connect Church, and um, I've just been thrilled with all the stories and the wonderful things um, that have happened, and, uh, and to see this church this morning has been uh, a great highlight uh, for me of uh, seeing God do something great. How many know that... Um, In Dave and Casey, you've got two great pastors that are here doing a great job. Yeah, give it up for Dave and Casey and the team here as well that are are doing such a fantastic job. Um, Now, this morning, I I chose to talk about someone that's um, well-known to many people, perhaps not to others. Um, He's from the Bible, of course. His name was David. You would maybe know him as King David. You may remember him as the giant killer. You know, he killed Goliath, and um, and, uh, a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, But you know, when you dive deeper into this man's life, you, you find out things about his life and family that I think will help you this morning where you are in your life. Uh, and so we're gonna be talking about people's hurts. And um, as we do that, uh, I, I wanna start by showing you a little clip from a film. Uh, how many of you remember the film Jaws? All right. Now if I say it in the American way, maybe a few more will remember it. How many of you remember the, the film Jaws? Okay. because. It, the right way is Jaws. The American way is Jaws. All right, so Jaws is what you put preserve in, you know. But uh, Jaws, the film Jaws was about these um, shark hunters, of course. And, um, and there's a scene in the film when um, it is the Captain Quint and Officer Brody and Researcher Hooper... Um, uh, the, there's a calm in the whole story and they, they've actually been drinking they've had a little bit too much and they get to the point of now comparing one another's wounds the physical wounds that they have received um, when they've been out shark hunting and it's a very interesting little portion of the film just give your attention to the screen if you will
1: Jeff well, you worry about you it won't be permanent. Wanna see something permanent? Boom boom. boom. Hey who you wanna feel something permanent? Just put your hand underneath my cap. Just get a little lump. Knock on all on St. Paddy's Day, Boston.
2: I got that beat. I got that beat.
1: Some moray eel. Fit right through my wetsuit. Well, nope,
0: no. Listen, I don't know about that, but I entered an arm wrestling contest in Loki
1: Bar in San Francisco. You see this? No, well, I can't extend that. Do you know why? I got to the semi-final, celebrating my third wife's demise. Big Chinese fella.
0: pull me right off. <laughs>
1: Shark, he scraped me when I was taking samples. I got something for you.
0: That's the Thresher. You see that, Chief? Thresher's tail. Thresher? That's a shark. You want a drink? Drink to your leg. I'll drink to your leg. Okay, so <laughs> we drink <to> our legs. <laughs> I got the creme de la creme right here. Hold on. Yeah, you see that?
1: You're wearing a sweater. Right there. Mary Ellen Moffat. She broke my heart.
0: (laughs) You know, we laugh at that when he opens his shirt and he says, see that, and there's nothing to be seen, but he's talking about a broken heart. And many of us uh, are here this morning, and although we smile and all we... Though we look good in our church seats here in this place, deep down inside, we're covering up hurts that have happened in our lives that are affecting our lives. And the, and the fact is, those hurts are not funny. Those are things that mark our lives. Uh, you know, I, I don't, you don't need me to tell you that life hurts. Uh, and the older you get, the more you see that life definitely hurts. Whether it is that we're carrying the hurts of abuse or rejection, or whether we're carrying the hurts that have come from disappointments that have happened, whether it is that we're carrying the hurts of divorce, whether we're carrying the hurts of separation or sickness, or or maybe it's the loss of someone who has died that was so close to us and we carry the hurt of that into our future. It may even be the hurt that has come from some church or other that you have attended, and maybe the abuse of some um, figure, a a religious figure that has hurt you in the past. The fact is that life hurts, and and here's another point. Life not only hurts, but hurts accumulate. It, It can be as we go through life, as we face one situation and another circumstance, and and there's a hurt that comes on top of a hurt, and, and we begin to stuff those things down. And, and it is that now we have those pains on the inside. You know, there are people who say, you know, um, time heals every wound. Well, that's not true. Time does not heal every wound, and in fact, we carry things on the inside that may be years and years old. In fact, there may be people here today that can look back 10, 15, 20 years at things that happened back in in those years gone by that are marking your life even to today. I had a guy sit in my office just a few weeks ago and he recounted uh, hurts that happened to him 50 years ago and tears streamed down his face as he began to tell me about those things that marked his life. You see, the fact is, Our emotions can only be healed in the presence of God. The fact is that God is the one that wants to step in and heal the wounds of the past. Because uh, you need to know that accumulated hurts, they affect every part of our lives, it can affect your emotional life, it can affect your mental state, it can affect your physical life, all coming out of the stuffed down hurts in the past, and we carry them into our future. You know, when I, I met Letty and we decided to get married, she rushed me off my feet. I tell you, I met her one year, I was married by the end of that year, and, uh, I, but when I, I talked to her, I said, you know, Letty. We're not gonna be like your family and we're not gonna be like my family. We're going to have our own life. I want you to know that was the biggest lie I ever told her. (laughs) Because the fact is we all carry baggage from our past and it affects our lives. It takes us into a, a place where it affects every part of our life because we're all a product of our upbringing, our education, We're a product of things that have happened, that have marked us, and and some of us are affected deep on the inside by our hurts, because hurts are always dealt with. If we don't deal with them rightly by bringing them to God, we deal with them wrongly, and we end up not only hurting ourselves, but now we begin to hurt others as well, So this morning, I want to look at these three people in the Bible, all from the same family, all related to one another, and I want to see how each of them dealt wrongly with their hurt. Now, now we talked about David being a great man and and slaying the Goliath and being a great king of Israel, but the fact is that there was hurts in his life that now not only affected him, but affected uh, the, the children that were coming up under him as well. When you look at David's life, King David, you find that he was a man that self-medicated his hurts. By that I mean that there were things in his life that came out of the hurt of his life. You remember maybe that David was the youngest son in his family Or there were these big lads that were in the family, these strong lads, these boys, about eight of them that were in the family. Uh, And the fact was, David was the youngest, and he was sometimes neglected. In fact, there's a classic story in the Bible about um, the prophet Samuel coming to David's home, talking to Jesse, David's father, and saying, I've been sent to your family, and one of your boys is going to be anointed king of Israel. And so Jesse lined up all the boys except David. And Samuel went along the line of boys and he was waiting on God and waiting for God to show him which of the boys was going to be the king and none of them came up on his radar. None of them, it seemed that God was telling him is going to be the king and he was confused by it and he said to Jesse, he says, are all your boys here? Are they all here? And Jesse said, well, yes, oh, well, no, I've got one that's out in the field. He's my youngest son, uh, and, and he's out in the field looking after the sheep, and uh, I, you wouldn't want to see him. And the prophet said, bring him to me, and they brought David in. And as he walked in, God spoke to Samuel and said, that's the boy I want you to anoint as king. But the fact was that David was had grown up In a family where he was always looked down on, he was always the last to be thought about, he was always pushed to his side, the others always seemed more important than he was, and those things hurt his life, those things went deep inside of his life. And the the fact was that now he self-medicated his hurts. By that I mean he had addictive behaviors. We know that he had a sexual problem you remember maybe the story of, of David and Bathsheba where it was that he saw another man's wife and, and he desired that man's wife and, and, he, and he made a plan to have that, um, that, that, that man whose wife that David looked at and wanted Bathsheba. He made a plan so that that man was put at the front of the battle and got killed in battle. And then David took Bathsheba into his house And so he had these addictive behaviors, he had a sexual problem. He also had this depressive problem that came from always feeling inferior and always feeling put down. He had depressive moods. He would have black days where he would go in on himself and where he would be covering up his pain in a depressive mood. And so David, he got into all sorts of addictive things, and he self-medicated his wounds, his inner pain. Now Solomon, his next son, Solomon, he self-motivated his hurts. Let me tell you about Solomon. See, Solomon was the boy that came out of the union between David and Bathsheba, Oh yeah, he came out of that whole story of David taking another man's wife, and the fact was that everyone knew about that, and Solomon grew up in the environment of hearing people talking about the way that David took another man's wife, and and he lived a lot of his life in shame. He was known as the boy that came out of that, that, that thing that happened with David and Bathsheba, and and so great shame was on him, and, and he self-motivated his pain by this. He became a workaholic, yeah. and now he was always having to be active. He was always having to be busy. He was always having to be going, and, and he, he became very successful, actually, because of the fact of his work ethic, and he just worked and worked. He became very successful. In fact, he was the richest man in all the world, the Bible says, yeah, and, and, and it says that everyone envied Solomon for all that he had. He had everything. And, and, and he was always thinking and coming up with new plans to keep active and to keep moving. But it was all in an attempt to cover up the pain that he was feeling on the inside that came from the shame of the past, that now he had stuffed down, and now he didn't want anyone getting close enough to touch his pain. Listen to what he said about about it in in the book, in the Bible, it's called Ecclesiastes. He said this in chapter 2, verse 7. He says, I brought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also owned large herds and flocks more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver, gold, and treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I des- denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything, everything that I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. And so here is this guy who had everything that you could imagine, but he kept himself busy because when he stopped When he stopped being busy, when he stopped running, the hurts would come to the surface and they would show up in ways that he never enjoyed. You know, there are some people who keep working and working and working because they're trying to cover up their hurts. There are other people who you will find you can't get too close to them because they won't let you in too far because they don't want you getting too near to touch their hurts, We know that as far as Solomon's concerned. Hey, he's one guy in the Bible, it says he had 700 wives. How many know if you've got 700 wives, you don't want one of them getting too close to you? And and so the fact was that he now was just burying his hurts in all of these things. He self-motivated himself to keep going and to keep the hurt at bay. Well, there was another son of David there was Solomon, but then there was this guy, less known than Solomon, but he's in the Bible. His name is Absalom. And Absalom handled his hurt differently. He self-meditated his hurt. The story goes down like this. Absalom's half-brother Abs- actually uh, now raped Absalom's sister. And it was, it got Absalom really mad, but I tell you what got him madder and caused him to stew on this even more was that his dad, David, did nothing about it. The fact was that that this girl had been raped by this half-brother, but David, he almost ignored that it had happened, he did nothing about it, but Absalom It just got deep inside of him. It hurt him deeply that this had happened to his sister. And he just stewed over it. And after two years of his dad doing nothing, he decided to take things into his own hands. The fact is that he had his half brother killed. And then he went after David himself. He was going to kill David. And in the process, he himself was killed. How many know there are too many people who are hurt by people who should never hurt them? And the fact is that um, we have to make a choice with how we deal with it. Meditators stew on their hurt. One of the Psalms puts it this way in Psalm 39, 2 and 3. It says, when I was silent and still, even saying anything good My anguish increased, my heart grew hot within me, and as I meditated, the fire burned. It's dangerous to meditate on hurts, because the fire of anger will burn on the inside when we do that. And and so, I I want to ask you this morning, having looked at these three people in the Bible, David, uh, who self-medicated his hurt, and and Solomon, who self-motivated his hurt, and and Absalom, who self-meditated his hurt. I want to ask you, how are you dealing with your hurt? You see, if you trap it on the inside, it's going to cause dysfunction on the outside. It'll begin to bleed out. You see, medicators, they cause pain by their addictions. Their addictions now begin to hurt others that are around them. And motivators they cause pain by continually being active, neglecting their families and avoiding friends and keeping everyone at a distance. And, and and meditators like Absalom, they begin to attack people. They get critical and they begin to attack people, and it's all because of their own hurt on the inside. Hey, there's only one way to deal with all your hurt. It's to bring it to God. Psalm 55 and verse 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. In the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 says, cast in all your care upon him because he cares for you. You know, there are people who reel from crisis to crisis to another crisis and they're mourning and groaning in the pain that's happening on the inside and they carry in that pain all because they won't bring it to God. The fact is they avoid bringing it to God, but you only get free when you cast your pain upon the Lord. You see, there are many people who feel they can't bring it to God because they're scared He will reject them. When the fact is this, friends, God is not looking for a reason to reject you. He is actually refusing to do that. He loves you, and He wants you to bring your pain to Him. In fact, the Bible encourages us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says there, "'Come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and grace to help in our time of need.'" so that we can get to the place that we refuse to live with regret and we decide to forgive people who have hurt us and we move on into God's plan for our future. That's what He wants for us all to do. Now, now remember this. We're not relying on willpower to save us. We're relying on God's power to save us. We're not relying on willpower to heal the wounds of the past. We're relying on God's power to heal the wounds of the past. So here's some practical steps before I show you another video to close out here. Um, Remember that hurts will come. Oh yes, as long as we're alive, there will be hurts that will come into our lives. The second thing we need to do is this, is that we We need to realize that we can bring our hurts to God every day, that it is as quickly as we are hurt, we can get healing. And the way we do that as well is that when we are hurt, we immediately forgive. The Bible puts it this way. It says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Get it sorted out in the day that it happens so that you're not carrying it into your future. Sort it out in that day. Forgive as quickly as you are hurt. And realize you're often hurt by people who are hurt in any way. And then this thing, refocus on the future and not the past. Get your eyes off the past. I find, I don't know about you, but I find when I drive my car and I continually look in the rear view mirror, I end up in trouble and in a ditch or in the back of someone else. I glimpse at the past because I've got to learn from the past, but if I keep focusing on the past, if the past is controlling my life, I will not enjoy the future. The Bible puts it this way in Philippians three thirteen and 14, forget what is behind, strain towards what is ahead, press on towards the heavenly goal. And, and remember this, you're in a great church, you have great pastors and leaders here. Uh, and they've been through nearly everything that you could go go through, uh, and, and they're here to help you. You're in a great church, uh, and they are ready and willing to help you and to bring you through and to get you going forward and not backwards. So again, I ask you: Are, are you a medicator controlled by addictive things? It doesn't have to be sex or drugs or alcohol. It could be overeating. It could be shopping. Ooh that got the ladies looking up. <laughs> or, or is it that you're a self-motivator? You're on the go all the time and you're keeping people at a distance? Or maybe you're a meditator and, and if people only knew you're stuffing down hurts on the inside you have to bring it to God and say God I don't want to carry these hurts a day more. I don't want to take them into the future. I want you to help me. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, you know, it's all right saying that, but people have hurt me. And some of you may be even thinking, the people that hurt me have actually died, and they never, they never came and apologized. And some of you are feeling, I can't get over this without an apology. I want to talk to you about what's known as representational repentance, by that I mean, I'm going to show you a film with people speaking. You'll, you won't be able to make out who they are, but they represent people who have been in your life. It, it, it will be that you will, you will see as the film is going on that they are apologizing. And as you're watching the film, you will be thinking, that could be me, and they could be speaking right into my situation right now. And, 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 and you'll be led to the place of seeing that God is wanting you to be healed of your wounds and of your hurt, and this, this film is going to help you because I want you to own what is said on the film. If you're watching and you say, that's me, that person is sp- speaking of my life, that's how I've been hurt, then know it that God is now saying, I'm ready to heal, and you can move on from today. So I want you to watch this film and uh, this little clip and, and um, we put it together at, at Riverside and it's helped so, so many people and I wanted to help you this morning because God doesn't want you staying where you are. He wants you moving on to a better future. After you watch this, Dave will come up and close out. Oh, God bless.
1: I am here as a brother and son and I want to apologize for the terrible ways I have behaved. I am sorry for disrespecting you, telling you I hated you, and considering my friends more important than you. I am sorry for wrongfully blaming you, discouraging you, and teasing you. I am sorry for my selfishness, for my pride, and for the lies I told. As my parents and siblings, you should have been the ones I cared for the most, and I failed. I was wrong, and I ask for your forgiveness. I'm sorry.
2: I stand before you as a sister and daughter. I'm sorry for what my actions have done to our family. I'm sorry for rebelling, running away, using drugs, alcohol, and a terrible choice of friends and men. I'm sorry for being a brat and blaming you for my mistakes. I'm sorry for how my lies and neglect have affected our relationships. I'm sorry for the sleepless nights because you didn't know where I was or who I was with. I was wrong. I'm sorry for my selfishness and for not pursuing a relationship with you or our family, missing holidays and birthdays. Family, I have been so wrong by not letting you into my life. Thank you for not giving up on me, please.
1: My precious child, I'm so, so sorry for the failure I have been, for the pain I have caused, for sleepless nights and tears you've cried because of me. My heart breaks over the physical and mental abuse I dealt you, unspeakable things that have caused so much pain and anger in your life. I'm sorry for not encouraging you and building you up. I've not been the Father Christ has called me to be, and led you, and protected you as he does for us all. I have been selfish, hurtful, and wrong. I apologize from the bottom of my heart and ask for your forgiveness. I'm sorry. Children Children and stepchildren, stepchildren, we are are so so sorry. sorry. I am sorry for the nasty things, kids, that I said about your mother. I'm sorry for the nasty
2: things I said about your dad. Sorry for fighting about silly things and selfish ambitions. Sorry for keeping you up at night screaming hurtful words to each other.
1: We're so sorry for not protecting you from the things of this world. I'm so sorry we lived for ourselves and for the times we tried to relive our youth out through you guys. For pushing you further than needed for not listening when you needed to be heard. I am sorry I left We are are asking for your forgiveness Saying sorry for the wrongs of our past We love you I stand before you as a grandparent I am sorry I damaged your relationship with your parents Telling you things about them Encouraging you not to respect them or obey them I am sorry for not valuing the position that I have in your life. I am sorry that I made you feel that my love was conditional, controlling you with fear and being critical and cynical and mean. I'm sorry for having favorites and not including you. I am sorry for treating you like a burden and not a blessing. My behaviors have been manipulative, lacking faith, hurtful and wrong. Please forgive me. I stand before you as a spiritual authority in your life. I am sorry for putting the success of the church above the success of following Jesus and his kingdom. I'm sorry for the demand I made on your time which caused you to neglect your family. I'm sorry for making you feel like an outsider, like you didn't matter. I'm sorry for making you feel like you couldn't hear the Lord yourself, that I was the only one who could. I'm sorry for the verbal abuse, for yelling at you, for the way I treated your family, your spouse, for not getting to know them and for not caring about them. I'm sorry for demanding my way rather than seeking and pursuing a team decision. I'm sorry for using you for my agenda to accomplish my goals rather than blessing the gifts in you your gifting was a threat to me, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry I let my anger get out of control and using it to manipulate you. God would never do that. I'm sorry for speaking in such a way that you didn't feel like you were valuable and had a place in the kingdom. I'm so sorry I took our counseling session too far and used you sexually. I'm sorry I did not care and protect you. You were a victim." I'm sorry for my behavior, which caused you to have mistrust in godly leadership. I'm sorry I used the Bible to make you feel guilt and shame instead of releasing love, acceptance, and freedom. Please forgive me.
2: You know, as we got to uh, hear about that, situation there in the life of David, and then Solomon and Absalom, and then even watching that video, I'm sure for some here this morning, it stirred something up, maybe stirred up some things from the past, and, and maybe you're here this morning and there's a sense that you think, I, I don't want that stirred up, I want to push that back down, but the reality is there's a God in heaven who loves you so much. He doesn't want to cause you pain, but he does want to um, see you come to that point where you'll allow him into that area of your life. It may seem painful to expose that to him, but he is a, a loving God, a loving Father who wants to come and help heal that area of your life. So here's how we're going to close out the service here this morning. I've asked the band if they'll lead us in that song one more time that we just learned this morning. I'm going to ask you in a second to stand up and and sing with us. But as you're singing, if if that has stirred some things up in you this morning and you want to respond, then there's a couple of ways that you can respond this morning. And I I really challenge you, don't miss this opportunity to respond. Maybe it's turning to someone you're with, a, a loved one, a friend who came to church with you this morning and saying, hey, just... I want to talk to you. I want to share some stuff with you. I need you to help me pray with me. Maybe they'll pray with you right now. Maybe it's going home this afternoon and uh, praying yourself, writing some stuff down. It could even be this morning, and we'll be available here this morning, John and I, during this song, that you need to come forward and say, Dave, John, could you pray for me? Because... This is stuff that's been, you know, buried in me and I've been struggling with for a long time. And I just, I want to get through this. Would you pray for me this morning? I'd love to tell you that that prayer or the way you respond this morning will solve everything. It, 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 it may not. But it will be the first step towards a healing process. So don't miss that chance to do that. So would you stand with me this morning? And we're going to sing this song and then I'll come up at the end and we'll close. But don't miss an opportunity this morning to respond if you feel that God has been particularly speaking to you through this message this morning.